Hello and welcome. Welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro. And in this episode, I will be speaking with Gary Phillips. Gary, among other things, has uh, written the fourth episode of the novella anthology series from Down and Out Books called A Grifter's Song. Uh, this is a series that I created and am contributing to, as well as serving as the editor. Gary is one of the authors uh, in season one. All of the authors have been great to work with so far. Uh, I do owe a special debt to Gary, however. Uh, but first, I want to tell you that Wrong Place, Right Crime is sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is an up-and-coming publisher uh, that uh, focuses on crime fiction in the gritty, darker end of the spectrum. If you want to find out more, you can go to downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. And now, uh, let's meet one very cool guy, Gary Phillips. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Gary. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Frank. I very much appreciate it. Uh, we were talking before we went on air about the fact that we've known each other for a while, bouncing around cyberspace, but have never actually spoken live. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? That's so funny. How many people uh, do you know like that? I mean, it seems like it's a lot. You know, it does. I, I guess, yeah, I guess it's a good number or, you know, you know, as you, as you know, or people you just sort of see maybe once or twice a year at, you know, this or that, uh, uh, crime fiction uh, convention, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and you get to know them over the years. But you know, you're right. It's uh, I, it's funny now that you mention it. The late uh, great Ed Gorman, mm-hmm. who I talked to on the phone several times. He had me in several of his anthologies, and I even remember him being in this documentary film, which was about the search for another writer that <laughs> that Ed knew. And uh, and yet, I never actually met him in person in all those years. Never once. Never once, wow. and we had and we had you know people we knew in common and people I'd run into mm-hmm. and you know they'd say oh Ed said hi or I'd say hi you know make say hi to Ed, but yet yeah, exactly never never actually met uh, physically. That's crazy. It's a whole it different is. world than when we were young. Exactly. You know, one of the things I think is interesting about you, and I'd like to start with, is the fact that although you write a lot of uh, traditional crime fiction. Uh, you are also pretty heavily into uh, comics and graphic novels and, and things like yes. this. What what uh, what what got you into that? Or have you always been? I, I think I've always been, and you know, basically ever since I was a kid, I uh, read comics. But you know, that's a, that's true for a lot of kids. And mm-hmm. then you know, I'm old enough that uh, this is you know before you kids had them internets, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so on. <laughs> So in those days, if you wanted to, uh, you know, you got the comic book bug and like, you know, you were like, you know, in your early teens or something and you wanted to try to write and draw your own comic uh, strips, they had what they called the fanzines then, which were, I guess, mm-hmm. fanzines that made a comeback. But in those days, fanzines were truly, you know, either mostly reproduced on the uh, rapidograph machine, right, that purple ink, or uh, maybe maybe they were photocopied because photocopying was, you know, around then even. Uh, and maybe if you had some real money, they got uh, offset printed. But uh, that was a way in which, like, if you were an amateur, you tried to get your work out there. And several of those people actually George R.R. R. Martin comes to mind, uh, started out that way and then, of course, went on you know, and became professionals. Some of them became writers and some became uh, artists. But you're both. 
Yeah. Well, no, no, I can't draw worth a lick. I only, and, <laughs> and, and, and in fact, and in fact, one of the reasons that I became a writer was because I can't draw. <laughs> I mean, I try, I tried drawing and, and writing my own comic strips, but yeah, my art would really suck. But you can write them. I can write them. I can write them. And I guess that helps. You know, you got to think visually, of course, uh, as you're as you're writing a comic strip. But that really helps me, I think, in my in my writing overall, in the sense of, you know, as you know, you just try to uh, communicate it as much as you can to the reader in with as much brevity as you can in terms of, you know, trying to create those those mind images as they as they read along on the page. You have anything uh, going right now? Well, yeah. In addition to uh, you know the movie makers, which we'll of course get into, which is not comics, but it's a serial, which is another kind of interesting form. Uh, I have a, a graphic novel coming out in uh, February from Pegasus Books, and essentially it's called uh, the Bebop Barbarians, and it's actually <laughs> it's actually inspired by uh, three actual sort of pioneers, black pioneers in the comic book world because in fact one of the characters inspired by the uh the real life jackie orms who was the first uh black woman to have her own uh comic strip her own syndicated comic strip and it kind of looks at the this is set the tail end of the 50s in new york city so there's jazz and the red scare and kind of the uh, burgeoning world of comic books uh is, uh, is all the sort of setting uh, for the uh, for these characters, uh, as they as they uh, they're, they're friends, but things conspire to uh, pull their or test their friendship and maybe pull their friendship apart. And it'll be a hardback graphic novel. And I should of course mention the art is terrific by uh, a friend of mine named Dale Barry, and the coloring, which is just magnificent in this book, is by wait for it a guy named James Brown. <laughs> and uh and the and the lettering is by uh, justin uh, birch there's a mystery element to it so that i think it'll appeal to the mystery fans and, the, and like i said there's like kind of a you know look back uh at the, at the at the 50s and so you know for the people who dig historical stuff i think they'll dig it you know it came out it came out really well and i think uh, i think people will enjoy reading it I'll, I'll look forward to it. Oh, cool. Uh, another thing coming out you mentioned before is you are uh, one of the Grifters song authors and you are slated in the cleanup number four position uh, in the batting order with uh, the, movie, the movie makers. Right. Um, maybe for those people who uh, haven't heard anything about it yet, what, what's the movie makers about? Well, Frank, you're the guru of all this. So, uh, but my, my uh, contribution to the, uh, to the series uh, is uh, is taking the two characters, uh, the two our two grifters, <laughs> our couple our couple who are the grifters, and putting them uh, through the paces in in La La Land here. It was interesting to me when I was working um, on the novella, and I was thinking, I've had you know I've had a little toehold in the in the in the well film and TV business. All right, I have a few of my books have been option, and actually one of my graphic novels has been option. That's now great. I've got yeah. Now I've got this little little job in my golden years in, in TV for uh, another ten weeks, and and it's funny to think about you know this question of who you know what's legitimate and what is not legitimate in LA in terms of because you know part of the not to give away the plot because of course we want people to read it but part of the setup of course is the mark is somebody who is a name in Hollywood uh, and and they're. You know, they're trying to beat him out of a certain amount of his money. And the idea that I was thinking about 
you know, there's been a couple of people recently who've been <laughs> who've been jailed for doing a con where they uh, were, you know, supposed to be raising money for a film and, and the film didn't exist or, you know, it didn't happen. But then, you know, that happens a lot in Hollywood. So, you know, who's to say, you know, who's to say what's real and what's not real, particularly in the, in the business of, of making this stuff up. <laughs> well, that whole idea of, you know, films getting put into turnaround. I mean, that sounds like a scam to me, right? There. It, exactly. 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 Or right. Right. Or, or the idea that, you know, as we know, you know, that, there seems to be several sets of books that the, that the studios, maybe not nowadays, but maybe certainly in the old days, you know, seem to have kept when they, you know, they told you, well, you know, it never made a profit. And yet, my God, you know, you, you, you would read something where it, you know, where it grows, whatever it did, you know, you know, a hundred million over the weekend. It's like, well, how is it that it not, you know, how can it not make a profit? Well, we spent all this on, you know, advertising and then there's the back end and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's like all these things always seem to uh, uh, be attached to, you know, why the movie, why the movie doesn't make money. Money and yet, you know, somebody's making money because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise it wouldn't be happening. Right? Otherwise it wouldn't be happening. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You did an interesting thing in your episode. Yours is the fourth episode uh, of the series. And, and you put uh, Rachel into a role of being a producer and Sam into a role of being kind of a self-help guru and yeah, guru. A yes, yes. life coach. I have to think that you drew on like your experience of being around the LA crowd to pick these two roles for these grifters. <laughs> well, it was, but, but, you know, it's funny, Frank, when you think about it, I guess in a certain way, like being a writer, they're very much self-made kind of roles, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And they're not, you don't, you know, I guess you can go to school for this stuff. Now you can go to training for it now. And I, and I guess some producers come out of film school and what have you, but it's also the case that, you know, listen, man, I, I knew a guy who was, uh, this is talk about old school. This was a long, long time ago. This guy had been a, a cop in New York City. Actually, I've known a couple of cops now who, who then, you know, became like producers, right? Like on like the old, there was a, used to be this great old show called NYPD, which was on, I guess, maybe in the 60s. And then there was a, a police woman with Angie Dickinson. And I, I met the guy who, who was like a producer on that show, but he was like an ex-cop. And, of course, he had been brought on as a technical advisor. And then he just, you know, you know kind of hung around and, you know, was, you know, affable guy. And then, you know, turns around one day and then all of a sudden he's a producer. And then one of the uh, radio stations I listen to out here, you know, they always have these kind of, uh, when they're doing their fundraising, they always have these, you know, self-help people on the gurus and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and to a certain extent, I, I sort of, you know, laugh up my sleeve at that. Uh, but then on another hand, I think, well, okay, you know, we're all, you know, we're all trying to improve ourselves and, you know, self-examination is good and, and what have you. And then, of course, I can get carried away and stuff, right? But mm-hmm. but I thought, well, okay, that that what an interesting character because really, isn't isn't that the the con man? The con man, con woman's job is to is to make you feel good, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. really their job, right? And their and their job is to have you part with your money, but Happily. they want. Happily, exactly, exactly, <laughs> just right, exactly, yeah. and, and 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 isn't that the movie business? I mean, that really is the movie business. I mean, you, know. <laughs> I mean, you nailed it there. Exactly. That is so true. I was going to ask you when you wrote this uh, episode, did uh, everything go exactly as planned, or were there any surprises along the way when you, as you were working on it? Well, you know, I think Frank, I think the surprise was, as you know, when when you're writing your characters and whether the characters are, you know, flawed or, or supposedly good or, or, or bad or in between or gray or what have you, uh, rich or poor, etc. You know, the idea is that 
I don't want to look down. I don't. I try not to look down on anybody I'm writing about, right? Because we all have foibles. We all come up short. And the more I can live in in their skin, and and try to show the story or their parts of the story from from their points of view, the better. So that you know, even though even though to a certain extent I'm, I might have been having a little fun with the notion of the life coach and the guru, but you know, but a lot of that I think is legitimate. A lot of that is is real. So the the more you can make that seem like reality the more you can make that seem like not too over the top just enough over the top but not too over the top i think then the better it plays and, and certainly the same for uh, rachel in terms of you know her being you know a hollywood producer and god knows the hollywood producers are out there to begin with so so exactly so it, you know you want to you want to have fun you want to entertain but you also kind of want to ground it in a kind of reality so that you're not getting so far out there. So, you know, trying to walk that line, I guess that's really the point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you did. And I think, uh, you know, this is a darker, grittier sort of series and you definitely injected some of that as well. Good. Good. So, uh, movie makers, it is uh, the fourth installment of a grifter song and it should drop the first of April. There you go. It's a lovely thing. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show, Gary. Well, thanks for having me, Frank. I appreciate it. Well, there you are, folks. Uh, a conversation with Gary Phillips, very interesting guy. You know, I owe him that debt of gratitude because before he came up with this idea of a serial novella anthology with different authors and monthly episode drops. Uh, my intention with the Grifter song was to uh, write all of the episodes myself and uh, drop one about every quarter or so and uh, just uh, you know get a couple of years out of the, of the story arc in that fashion. And it was uh, Gary's Gary's example of, a, of another anthology series that I hope sees the light of day that uh, inspired me to uh, very directly to to switch the format. Uh, and as a result, I get to work with, uh, you know, 10 great authors and see the uh, series uh, released in a more concentrated fashion as well as uh, over two seasons. Uh, so I want to say thanks to Gary for coming on the show and for being an inspiration. Uh, next episode, we will be talking to Sean A. Cosby about his debut novel, My Darkest Prayer. And he's got a few very unique things to tell you about, including... Uh, some of the inspiration for that novel, let's just say it's not the kind of job I'd want to do, and probably not most of you either, but it's a very interesting one. Uh, so that's next episode uh, on Wrong Place, Right Crime. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to right crime. <laughs>